Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show where I'm the DM, I mean host. Uh, this is uh, Barely Explained. I'm here with us with our number one guest and DM for the regular regular campaign, Zachary. Am I really the number one guest? Yeah, you're the only guest. Well, actually, no. <laughs> Melanie's been a guest. Ooh. Ooh. I've only had two episodes, Yo. and I, uh, I got to take that back. <laughs> Oh, I don't know if we should keep going or start over because I should. feel really no, bad. No, no, I feel like this is the take. This is the I take? I just feel it. It oh, feels good. No. I'm definitely editing this. Melanie never no. listened to this episode. No. Oof. That is going to be one big oof for me. Um, but anyways, today we are talking about a, <laughs> a topic that is, um, uh, I don't want to say like a problem or a, co- or a common thread in the uh, Dungeons & Dragons world, but we're going to be covering um, the, the Matt Mercer effect as it's been coined and talking about um, basically how to be your own DM. And uh, what that entails, expectations that you may have on your party or your party has on you. I I know that you're cognizant of the effect because you've mentioned it a couple times, but you also integrate Matt Mercerisms into our mm-hmm. campaign. I've noticed. Um, I recently learned just today about the resurrection spell, how you want to handle that. You said you switched up a little bit, but yeah. also, um, I the thing that I noticed is like we haven't gone into combat yet. But when I've heard you do combat for other players, you like to say, "So how do you want to do this?" or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we did we did combat in the uh, in Legath. That's in the right. Episodes before that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. we're there for like second adventure. Yeah. So. So yeah, I, I have lifted the, the the iconic line. So how do you, I don't know, tell how do you use what's appropriate and still like make something your own when it comes to your DM style? Absolutely. Um, well. Let's just start with what the Matt Mercer effect is. Because yeah. the first couple times I heard about it, I didn't I didn't really connect what it is. And essentially, um, if you like D&D and you haven't heard of Critical Role, nothing's wrong with you. Um, <laughs> but uh, it is it is the largest product, production item connected to Critical Role. Or connected to D&D, dang it. In the world. Um, it's, uh, I mean, they're the large, aren't they the largest streamers on Twitch? I think so. Um, I'm, no, I'm pretty sure they are like some... Whenever there's, there's there, some there was pretty that, large streamers on Twitch. Well, so. when, no, whenever there was that Twitch leak about who is making the most, like Critical Role came out on top. Oh wow! Uh, I think if something like that, or they had the most viewers or something, and uh, they they're they're getting an animated show on uh, Hulu or Amazon. Amazon, Amazon, Amazon yeah. I mean, that's how big this thing is. Like they sell out stadiums for live shows. No, they don't. For, really? They do. Yeah. Oh my god. For no, nerds rolling dice. That's um, crazy. That's yeah. crazy. I said stadiums. Maybe it's auditoriums. I don't know. I just know auditorium that... sounds better. Like imagine like the cowboy <laughs> football <laughs> stadium being sold out for critical. Just role. them on the like uh like at the under the goalpost. <laughs> Roll the dex check. I um, mean, hey, Travis would be excited. But yeah, uh, he would. <laughs> anyway. Um uh well I I just know that I've listened to one of the episodes where they're like they say something about like a thousand people or something. So like that is big. That's pretty so big. they're a big deal. Um and uh because a lot of people listen to them, a lot of people get impressions from them and just out of coincidence they're also amazing um it is a D show filled with voice actors which is awesome who have spent their whole life doing roles so like not only are they incredible at character design and embodiment and not only are they creative for a living and not only do they act for a living but they're also amazing at voices and sound effects and just out of uh in addition like Mercer is often regarded as like the DM, you know, he's, he's amazing at what he does. He's like the face of D and D in some, in, in a some lot of, in, in a lot, lot of ways. circles. Um, no, that's, that's ignoring a lot of other really incredible groups. Um, we could go on and on about all of the amazing and profound, um, I guess. There's a lot of really good ones that, out there. That other DMs have had and yeah. podcast um, groups, and, but a lot of people get swayed by Matt Mercer. Yeah. And so a like lot of the introduction. Almost. Exactly. Yeah. For a lot of people it is. So a lot of people end up listening to him and going, 
I want to be that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the standard. So that's the impression that Mercer can give out a lot. He's spoken pretty vocally about how he doesn't love that um, everyone sort of pressures themselves with that. Um, but the Matt Mercer effect then is where um, people end up, you could even call it the critical role effect, but it, it sort of specifically refers to the way that people see Matt Mercer DM. And then they say, well, I'm going to describe the four nose hairs on that guy's face when I do that. And I'm, I'm going to make sound effects. Um, and then people suddenly discover that they haven't been a voice actor for decades <laughs> um, or lived in D&D their whole life. Um, and then it gets really challenging. Uh, and so that's like, that's basically the Matt Mercer effect overall. What was your question? <laughs> no, I think I, I can't remember to be honest, but I think mm. that, um, oh, my question was about how you've integrated gotcha. Matt Mercerisms and how, like what you found to be acceptable to use from Critical Role and um, how you've kept your own DM style through that. Totally. Okay. Um, so that, that's an excellent question. Um, I think, I think, I think where there's sort of like an even more under, important underlying idea in that, I would say, which is that um, D&D, my favorite thing about D&D, D&D is cool for fantasy. It's cool escapism. Uh, it's a fun game with your friends. And if that's all you want it to be, that's dope. Um, but what I love about D&D is the storytelling. And we can talk about that more some other time because I will go off on a 15 or 20 <laughs> minute tangent about what I love about storytelling in D&D. Don't let me start. But I will just say that what I love about it is it is a collaborative method of storytelling. And I know that that just sort of sounds like, oh, look at you, Zach, you label something with a larger word. But I really mean that like, the majority of storytelling is done by an individual or even on a movie set where you need a thousand people to do their jobs phenomenally, phenomenally, excuse me. There's usually one person writing, one person directing, you know, like a small team. Like, oh, yeah, like, exactly. Like, their one job to do. Exactly. TV show, the actors might be delivering part of the incredible performance, but they're reading lines at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that it's not collaborative. Unless you're the office well. and then all the writers are. The well, actor. yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's different. But, um, <clears throat> uh, but for like D and D is a game where, Everyone makes the story together. The DM could prepare a novel and show up. And the characters could be could say, I go the other way. And then it's just different now. The reason I bring up the collaborative storytelling is that like, I think D&D's highest value comes from either the fun you have with your friends or the collaborative stories that you can tell and the things that you can explore with each other in the course of that story. And so I think the tendency to try and make it into a performance to uh, demonstrate your ability in that course. Now, if man, if you make a dope sword sound, cool, dude. Like, you know, do it. That's that's great. But like, I think a lot of people use D&D as an opportunity to sort of show off. And when you see Mercer, it's really easy to, um, or any great DM, you know? Yeah. Matt Mercer, Brennan Lee Mulligan. Mulligan. <laughs> Jinx. Uh, uh, <laughs> Abria, um, uh, Johnny Chiadini. Like you can pick your you can pick your DM, whoever they are. You can you can look at them and say, that's awesome. I want to be them. Um, and so I th- I think the real the balance comes in uh, recognizing what they do wonderfully, but understanding that at the end at the end of the day, um, that like I I would argue. I, I don't know the guy. I have no idea. And this actually kind of plays into that Mercer effect itself right now, the impression it's had on me. So there's this very meta like thing happening right now later. But I would argue that from, from what he said in interviews, Mercer doesn't consider himself the, the best DM, which is an extremely subjective question. What does that even mean? 
but like um you know i i think he's just a dude who enjoys doing what he does with his friends and at the end of the day his goal is to collaboratively tell something tell a story with his friends and enjoy that that process so if that's really your goal at the end of the day i think you can bypass this really complicated discussion of what you should and shouldn't keep and you can just understand that like well my goal is just to make something with my friends um and then it's really easy to look at someone else who does something wonderful and say, I like what they did. I want to use that, that thing in my own group, which I think sort of ties into the heart of D&D. I mean, Wizards of the Coast have an open game license on their material. You are literally allowed to take what they do, build on it, and make new things. The, the whole point of D&D is to make things together, I would argue. I think that's a good point. I, I, don't, I don't disagree. <laughs> Thank you. So <laughs> it's like you're in a discussion post in your college. I totally agree with your point. And <laughs> wow, <laughs> Sam, great point. You're right. Okay, three more of those to go. Exactly. Um, uh, and so I've sort of skirted around your question, but I think that's the heart of the heart of the thing. And then so what I've taken, I mean, I could I love I've learned some things about getting into character from Mercer. Um, I think I've learned, I think I've I've watched and mainly listened to him. Uh, and learned how to better serve your party members. Um, everyone louds his, uh, his, his voices are incredible and his writing is phenomenal and his mind for detail is amazing. But honestly, I think one of the things he does best is the way that he's humble and kind to his group. I think that's half of what makes his, his DMing so effective. So I've taken that. Um, I like his resurrection system. I've used that. I've modified it a bit, but I've used Can it. Can you explain that a bit to me? Because yes, I, I, I don't know about that. So standard in D&D, um, your, uh, your rogue gets molly by the dragon, um, goes down and, uh, your cleric, um, throws on a revivify and, uh, they, they burn the gem and the rogue pops up. Um, as long as you have the spell slots and the materials and the time, as long as you can complete the components, the other person lives. Um, and that's that's one of the main functions in DV. It's a very central mechanic and and dynamic that like you go down, somebody heals you, you come up. Um, and so that's like the revivify class of healing. There's also like death, and there's um, uh, then you need spells like resurrection and stuff. And and there's there's others, but um, and that's where like you fail the saving throws, person died. Well, technically revivify has that within a time frame, but resurrection is like yeah, no, Dave died last week. Um, like Shanique has been dead for a month. Now we need to figure out how to get her up. And um, uh, then you need a larger spell. But in both those cases, the spell just works or it doesn't. Um, Mercer, very ingeniously, um, he thought that was kind of... So there's, there's two problems. I think many DMs could attest to this. There's two problems with that. One, you have the ability to affect the mortality of the other characters in your campaign. Um, and it only matters for one member of your party or however many people you have who can do those spells. That's fine from like a realism standpoint, but that's a really missed opportunity to impact the storytelling. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is that um, players get cocky um, because- <laughs> It's like, what are you gonna do? I die, they raise me from the dead. You buy six diamonds in town. Uh, and like the first couple campaigns you do, nobody, everybody's like, oh crap, we're gonna die. Um, you get players who've been playing for three or four years, and they start min-maxing a party. They make sure the druids got a couple of five spells. Maybe they pick up two clerics, one in a very life-based domain, maybe another Warforge cleric, war cleric, um, war domain. Um, yada, yada, yada. Soon enough, you have a party that's like, nothing matters. You know? As long as two of our clerics are up, party's fine. 
everyone could die. Um, and I have DMs for players who love you guys. No pressure, you know, not, not tearing <laughs> down. I have DM for players who are like, ah, I jump out of the 200 foot tree. I hit the ground. Um, and they did. And they died. And the druid walked over and boop, picked him up. And they kept on just because it was funny. And do not get me wrong. If you guys want to play your campaign whimsically like that, there is nothing wrong with that. It is hilarious when the ranger jumps out of a 200 foot tree breaks their face on the ground, the druid comes over, slaps them on the back of the head, and they're fine. There's something There's something very Three Stooges about that. Yeah. Um, in the best way. However, um, in a dramatic campaign, that can really suck the wind out of the greatest consequence in life, mortality. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Mercer, and I, I don't know that he was even the first to do it. I don't know. But he's, you know, the, um, the, uh, the recognized person for coming up with the idea at least in, in the context of critical role to, um, to make a system where parties have to, basically the idea is that like you, like there are gods over death in the D and D world. There are deities in charge of that. And their job is to ferry, um, uh, to, to ward over death and to make sure that that, that balance between life and death is held correctly, which was smart of him because it plays off of real things built, mm -hmm. built into the fabric of the yeah. game. Yeah. It builds um, on the game itself and like the, exactly the, the reason behind it, which I would argue is part of what makes him so great, uh, is that, or not, not him so great. He's just a guy, but makes part of why he's made such wonderful things. He has built on the stuff that's there. He, he does everything collaboratively, but anyway, that's aside from point. Um, uh, lesson is you can be a big fan of Matt Mercer and uh, not feel the pressure to beat him in your campaign. There's nothing wrong with There's it. nothing wrong with saying he's There's really good at what he wrong with does. saying he's incredible. So carry on with what you were saying about uh, people presiding over death. The wayward son. I'll stop. No copyright. Um, but uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, the, so the idea is that like there are forces, whatever they may be, or, you know, you could make it really specific and you could say like your warlock is being pulled down to the grave by their patron or who knows, whatever, right? Um, point being that there there are forces that do not want that, that scene between life and death being tampered with. So the idea being that to, to bring a party member back from death is a more complex arcane or divine feat than just attributing them some health. Um, which I love. I love that it, it gives it gives weight and scale to magic. Um, and uh, so the idea is that like uh, so the act the actual mechanical mechanic is that um, when you <laughs> when you try to resurrect things, it's not just a spell casting. It's a group. It's a group skill challenge. Have we have we done this before? No, you know no we haven't are? talked about this at all. Okay, so that's where the majority in D anD D when you have when you have um, a challenge that you need a check of any sort, um, a player rolls. Um, based off of an, an ability, an ability score or something like that. Um, and they are attempting to pass a DC. A group skill challenge is where the whole party um, or whatever subset group of people need to all cumulatively pass a DC, whether that's a total DC added together or an average. Um, everyone needs to, or maybe like just like three out of five of them need to pass a certain DC, however a DM constructs it. Um, the group needs to come together and pass something. Um, which I'm a big fan of because it, it makes for very interesting situations. So the idea behind these is that whenever your druid or your cleric or your whomever reaches out to try and resurrect this, this member of your, of your group, whoever wants to, um, but like X number of people, um, or actually I really like the way that Matt does it, where he doesn't require a certain number. He just says whoever has something. Um, and then he takes all of the, all of the roles into consideration. 
Um, and people can do whatever check they want. They just have to do something. So the idea like um, your barbarian could um, try and muster some emotion and uh and <laughs> i try playing, to feel joy well playing off of some real stereotypes maybe your barbarian is a really robust character also um hashtag give barbarians complex roles but anyway um <laughs> they can be people you know people can, can be angry craig can be a i'm just kidding well jeez man we said we we're gonna lay off on craig okay um <laughs> anyway um uh so maybe your barbarian like professes um value and affection for the dead rogue um then they can make a persuasion check um, and maybe, um, uh, maybe, maybe your, um, your, uh, cleric is simply trying to very correctly assign the location that the spellcasting component should be assigned. Maybe that's a medicine check, right? But everyone in the party can try and contribute somehow to the DC. Um, and the, I think the thing that really made his thing ingenious is that he, he created a rule where, um, the DCs lift over time. So the more time a character dies, mm. the higher the DC that you need to pass. The idea being that they've skirted with death more and more and more, and they're growing closer and closer to that edge of mortality. Um, and so uh, it scales upward, and eventually it becomes very hard to keep them back. That is... Which also works well because parties get their skills increase over time. So if you don't lift that DC, they become invulnerable. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. And so like stuff like that where... It's almost, it's not hard to implement things that aren't a performance and to kind of have that expectation as long as it's clearly communicated, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, what do you think about expectation? Like players mm. or people that only have had an experience with critical role in this game. And so they really haven't maybe read the player's handbook or the Dungeon Master's Guide or, that happens, or yeah. anything like that. And they go to play their first game and um, their expectations are kind of centered on critical role. Um, what do you do in that scenario? Um, like, what would you... That's an excellent question. What would you encourage? <laughs> that's, that's a really good question. I think maybe that that question spurs out of, um, first you mess up. Uh, first you mess up. Because no one will say that explicitly. No one will walk up to the table and say, hey, I listened to... Um, oh, what's what's College Humor's... Um, uh, not another D&D podcast? Or Dimension 20? Dimension 20, okay. yes. Um, yeah, Dimension 20. Maybe they're like, I listened to Dimension 20, and man... I almost peed myself laughing. Now they're not going to walk out of the table and say, I really enjoyed Brennan Lee Mulligan's performance. I hope you live up to that today. <laughs> um, a player's just going to hear that be like, D and amazing. Show up to the table and be like, I can't wait to die laughing. Um, and then Sarah who worked her hardest to DM that week. She just laid out the dungeon. She was like, okay, I think I got it. She's going to sit down halfway through the performance. You know, like Vivian's going to be like, where are the jokes? Yeah, you haven't even gone into existential dread once. There, she's not going to explain like explain that 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 explicitly, yeah. but there's going to be, be like a unmet expectations. Exactly. That makes sense. Um, so first you mess up, and first you make peace with the fact that you're going to mess up. Also, if I could give like one piece of advice to DMs, make peace with the fact that you'll disappoint people. Uh, I mean, seriously. <laughs> no, that makes and sense. And then learn how to grow out of that. Do you um, think a session zero could fix that? And like a session like zero is an X. So session zero is great idea. Yes, session zeros are frequently used to create characters and do recaps and establish lore, excellent. Best use of a session zero, um, I would argue, is set expectations and mm -hmm. communicate about like maybe lines you don't want to cross in role play or, um, or goals for characters yeah. or, you know, that's excellent use. Um, because I think we said on our first, barely explained, that the most important thing um, a DM and player, like the most important 
uh, factor to the quality of the campaign will always be the relationship between the people playing. Yeah. More than anything else. There has to be a trust there. Yeah. So um, you just you just communicate about what you're expecting. I think that's a great idea. So, uh, I guess, so my follow-up question, I guess, then is how do you develop your own D&D style? Ooh, how, do you, how do you start to create something that you can call your own? And um, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, and so... I think that's another really interesting question because my immediate answer would be you don't. You have a good time. Um, just have fun. Your style will come. Um, however, so there's there's a really easy plug and answer there where I'm like, dumb question. Uh, can it? No. Just have fun. <laughs> um, however, I think you make a really good point in that like, yeah, but what if you're trying to do something else though? What if you're making a podcast or a YouTube channel or um, or maybe you're just trying to provide your friends with something unique? Yeah, I mean, there maybe you really have good reasons to try and be making your own style um in that way i would say there's nothing wrong with a muse you know there's nothing wrong with listening to ox venture um outside xbox's uh dnd campaign and saying like i love how lighthearted and hilarious they are or even the rebranding they did where they made things a bit more complex or whatever um but uh and there's nothing wrong with saying like man i love the way they do x and there's nothing wrong with saying um I love how much um, uh, Abrian Nygaard lets the rule of cool reign or like whoever your, whoever your model is, whoever you look up to dungeons and daddies. Like maybe you, you love the way that they do performances, you know, like um, uh, barely D and I hear they're amazing. Um, <laughs> self plug, <laughs> self plug. <laughs> A skadoosh. But whatever you enjoy, um, there's nothing wrong with having, I mean, everybody imitates everyone and everything. The idea that you need to go out there and make something powerfully unique on your own. I think kind of comes out of an individualistic culture and a lot of times insecurity, man, who's ever made anything without anyone else's influence or help. So there's nothing wrong with finding out what you love about other, other performances. And I would really argue the effective step to take is to ask yourself why you love what you love. Because once you can ask, isolate those characteristics, you can figure out how your own strengths play into that. Um, so I think developing your own style is, um, uh, is considering what it is that you love, what, what it is that has drawn you to D&D from the performances of others that makes you want to emulate those same things. Yeah. Um, so and then beyond that, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. And then beyond that, what? Uh, beyond that, um, I've talked about it in the past. I don't sound silly. Man, make a, miss, make a DM mission statement or player or whatever, you know? Um, and if that's not your thing, find whatever, you know? But like figure out what it is that you want out of this experience. Um, that'll help clarify things. Uh, and if, you know, if you just play and you're like, I know what I'm doing, I know how it feels, dope. But if you are looking for guidance, I think those are awesome tools. Um, and then I've, I've said it previously, I'm going to come back to it a thousand times. It's like my motto in D&D, but um, man, play collaboratively because the best style you can make is like, if you sort of say like, I'm this DM and uh, like, let's say you're really great at what you do and you, and like people like, you know, your style of DMing or playing or whatever. Um, and you roll into every group you, you meet, you roll up and you say, all right, this is how it's going to be. You know, I'm here. Yeah, let's do this. That could be fun. But maybe you're going to miss out on something really wonderful that that's unique that you make with each group. Um, maybe you allow each group to change you. Yeah. So I guess my my next my follow up question is then is how what did you do like when you were when you realized that you were going to be a part of not just one D and D podcast but two? Mm. Did you really change anything about what you did, um, or did you just kind of like keep doing what you were doing? Did the Mercer effect have any effect on it when you realized that you're going to be talking to a microphone now? What happened? Excellent question. Um, so oh, I think like a gut answer right off the bat is um, no. 
No, I think it, it just kind of DM the same. Um, and I think part of that is a result of the fact that <clears throat> I think if I were DMing for strangers, um, especially in the recording, I think I might change some things. But uh, you're my cousin and I like you. Um, good. And Mike yeah, is good my cousin and I like her. Oh, and you do? Abby's... Really? I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're cutting that out. And Abby, <laughs> no, leave it in. Uh, oh, no. And Abby's my pal, uh, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we're yeah, friends we're now. pals now. And she's really she got cool. you a Christmas present. She, so. I mean, yeah, we're friends. We're friends now. Um, and uh, uh, and she's really cool. And then the other group is also full of my pals and friends. So it's really easy to DM comfortably because I like you guys. Um, I'd say I changed some some things. Um, I, you know, honestly, the challenging part was I didn't know what you guys were going to do. Were you surprised um, about what we wanted to do when you first? Extremely. Really? Um, I was just surprised about everything about DMing. Because <laughs> we, we first started out with a one-shot that Zachary created about a heist <laughs> in a bakery. <laughs> yeah, we did. And so what... what what I, I completely <laughs> assumed that that was like a very pivotal moment and like when you were realizing what you were getting yourself into. Um, but what did you expect and what did you get? Uh, I think you should weigh in quite a bit here, but um, what I was expecting, well, okay, so I'm not going to go too heavy into like our <laughs> relationship as people, but um, first of all, like you and I haven't really, maybe one-on-one we've hung out here and there, but I haven't spent time with like, you and Reagan and Micah all together since Reagan's my other sister, by the way. Yes. Um, the most important person on this podcast. <laughs> um, since, uh, since I was like, I don't know, maybe early college, maybe high school. Yeah. Um, since we all did an activity together. So the tone has changed. Um, and also everybody's adults, like you and I have mostly kept in touch, but Micah's like a different person. Yeah. Than she is a different person. And Reagan is too. Now I really enjoy those people. Uh, I like who they're becoming, but they're really different folks. So I don't know what I was expecting. Um, I guess something a little bit more timid and refined. Um, <laughs> they're out there. They 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 have fun. And then like three hours into the one shot, you guys captured the goon. Your character was torturing people. Um, Abby was just like, yeah, I've decided my character is racist against gnomes. And just attacked a dude in the street. <laughs> I don't think she um, meant to do that on purpose. Well, I don't know what it is with... <laughs> Happy and I. This was the first. Characters. This is like one of the first times that we had all played ever. I think I may have played one time before this, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna be a warlock, and I'm gonna have a patron, and he's a little evil, so I'm gonna be evil too." And then it just kind of snowballed, and um, by the end of the one shot, we we're all looking around like, "What have we done?" Yeah, you guys got to the end of the one shot, and you did what you were supposed to do. You accomplished the goal, but it didn't feel um, good. <laughs> and it, yeah, you guys are like, "I don't. Are we the bad guys?" <laughs> and, <laughs> I, you know what? I think the thing was, actually, this is this is just a great piece of advice for people who are first playing their first D&D sessions. sessions. You, when you're a kid, you play with your imagination a ton. And then you just shove it away in a closet. And you don't touch it again for 10 years. And then you pick it up again, years later, in this space where you have permission to use your imagination. And you think it's going to be normal. It's There's a difference. Um, <laughs> you're not the same person you were when you were 12. It or takes six. some getting used to. Um, and so I think all of a sudden you have to realize, yeah, like you have to, you have to wear those. You got to break that in, man. Like, and so I think you guys just sort of got into the space where you're like, ah, nothing matters. You do whatever you want. Pretend. And then when this, and again, hey, if you play a campaign where nothing matters, cool, you know. But I think in our in the style of DMing, in the stories that I'm a fan of helping to create, where things always have consequences um even with the minimal ones there just that like the fact that i wasn't like haha the goon's dead i was like yeah he's suffering and you guys are like oh um like i think when you got to the end you were like i don't know how you feel about this it doesn't feel good <laughs> and so <clears throat> i actually wasn't that scared um because i'd had a number of first sessions with people 
So it wasn't my first. There were a couple of first times where I DM for people and I was like, oh, no. Um, and, uh, put the imagination back. Put, put it back. Put Don't it back. ever touch that again. That shouldn't have come out. Um, but uh, here's my here's my counselor's uh, card. I think we should give him a call. We just we just plug the um, what's the online therapy service that's uh, everywhere now? Uh, uh, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. whatever it is. But, um, oh, shoot, whatever their marketing is, it's effective. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, sponsor us. We'll make you memorable. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, please, anybody. Um, <laughs> you know, what I just realized we are asking for patrons on our Patreon. Does that make our show a warlock? That was a really good DMT joke. I like it wasn't like a like laugh out loud, but that was really clever. Um, we have a bit on sound effect. But I'm, but I'm, I don't anyways. know which button it is though. <laughs> what were you um, saying? <laughs> if you have to learn that lesson, good luck. D and D is still fun. Don't give up. And you don't can, give up. You can get help. It's possible. Hey, that's an excellent thing. Don't give up, man. Yeah, don't give up. I My first two sessions were not any fun. Mm. The first two sessions I played weren't any fun, and then the third was amazing. Um, and the first time I DM'd, I was terribly marginal um and it's it's like everything in life you're gonna have to do it a few times before it gets better yeah the first step to being good at something is being pretty bad at it so if you as long as you start there you're on the right track yeah so it, it is whatever you make it out to be and i think a session zero really helps kind of set those expectations absolutely and um kind of like avoid disappointment because it's probably going to happen you know what i mean like you can't yeah. really avoid that but as long as you try to prevent it like as much as it's preventable you know what i mean like set clear expectations discuss what people want to get out of uh, playing dungeons and dragons and uh go from there because it can be really fun and don't give up on it on the first section um, also matt mercer you're amazing but everybody listening you don't have to be him for dnd to be fun <laughs> absolutely uh, too long didn't read that's the summary of the whole episode <laughs> um do we have anything yeah. we need to plug or like say to go look oh, at? probably right everything um, um so we have a website man, a twitter so an instagram a facebook we got the app for barely dnd for every single one so if you search that you'll find us um if any of this was helpful to you if you heard any good tips if you have any criticisms any suggestions if you don't like us, um, tweet us. <laughs> Send us a message. We're sorry. Joke's on you. You can't tweet. Oh, no. I do have a Twitter. Just you to do, do the have, thing. You have oh, everything. Crap. You made one for everything. Yeah. If you want to roast me, do it. Yeah. I'm yeah. down. Um, but let us know. And um, we talked about the reviews last time. Um, Spotify just started reviews. They, just, they did? They just updated their site to where you can cool. give uh, star-based reviews on Spotify. Uh, I know other people have been doing it. For some reason, mine hasn't updated to see it yet. But if you see a review option and you enjoyed what you listened to, whether you're on Spotify or Overcast or Apple, if you if you rate this podcast and give us a short review, it really means a lot and it really helps other people listen to it as well. Um, so and also just let us know what you liked. Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. Or what you didn't like. And if you enjoyed this, uh, we hope that you would stick around for our main campaign. Um, we're about to get into some really crazy stuff. I feel like no matter what episode we're at right now, we're definitely about to get into some crazy stuff. Cause yeah, you guys not, really stepped in it. Not a day goes by that we step in another another cow pie. Um, I told Kara what you guys were doing, and she like turned pale. Kara is <laughs> uh, from the Away From Table podcast, and she's hey, awesome. there's a plug. That's how you, that's smooth, dude. <laughs> I plugged it on Twitter to. today on uh, or yesterday Stop on Self Promotion Saturday for the TTRPG World. Let's well, go, dude. From there, shout out to you. But yeah, uh, yeah, the Away From Table it. podcast. Sorry. Yeah. It's also on Spotify. And um, it is set in the exact same world. 
And it's this really cool parallel where this is a story that just started with a bunch of low-level players. And the other campaign is a bunch of really high-level players who've yeah. been doing it for a very long time. They're actually known and in the world. There's a, there's books that have been written about them, or maybe one book. We discovered recently. Yeah, yeah. we discovered recently. Um, exactly. there's... I discovered, it's like, I wrote this yeah. in a minute ago. <laughs> what? what? But there is a book, and uh, they are not only are they doing epic, like, world-changing things, but they are in the world's first dungeon, which are extremely custom-written. And uh, it's pretty insane so far. <laughs> also, Janice just set the world's most uh, crazy um, damage record. It's the damage record for the overall campaign now. And she didn't use one homebrewed thing to do it. Wow. Um, she just, she she made it clear. You know what? Actually, I want to pick a fight at this point in the podcast. Okay. Deal with it, Landon. Um, if you're out there and you think sorcerers are just B-rate wizards, go listen to episode uh, 39 of uh of the legend of the new ones the away from table podcast on spotify janice straight up dunks on anyone who claims that sorcerers don't have unique abilities because she set the craziest damage value i've ever seen for a first round of combat and she just used a six level spell and the uh sorcerer twin spell ability it's insane but anyway janice is kara's character and yeah, um, the sad thing is i can't even go listen to the episodes because since they're set in the same world there's like spoilers <laughs> yeah i'm so sorry i can't even go listen to it is the that moment you guys have learned the lore necessary to let you listen i promise <laughs> i will tell you and it's just free game cool cool cool, cool. well if i hope you enjoyed it listening <laughs> Uh, we're trying to increase production value on these podcasts, uh, trying to do everything we can to make it as easy for you to listen to it and enjoy it. Um, if you're someone that listens to podcast and uh, thinks something can be improved or anything, literally like, send us a message, let us know, because we would gladly listen to any any points of um, improvement. Um, if you just want to talk about Skillet's early musical career, if hit you, us up. If you want to just talk D&D, &D, talk shop. If you need another player for a campaign, and uh, let me know, because I'd love to play in one. <laughs> Uh, if you're not into yoga, if you're not, if in, you have half a brain, okay. Now, now we're getting very close <laughs> to the copyright stuff. I stopped. I stopped. Okay, good, good. Um, but thank you so much and for to listening. To me and escape. My name is Landon, and I'm joined here by Zachary, Hi. who's in who's been in a very singy mood today. And uh, Landon, why don't um, why don't you leave everybody with a word of wisdom? You know, why don't like it's really wrapping up. Why don't you just leave us with one last nugget? So the world of the the world of wisdom, not just word, a world of wisdom that I would like to leave you with. Did I say world? Yeah, no, I said world. You said okay. word. Yeah, because I messed it up. <laughs> um, the word of wisdom that I would like to leave you with is don't poke uh, La Pomme with a stick. Um, <laughs> and with that, we'll catch you on the next one. <laughs> <laughs>